Welcome into another episode of the TristateFootball.com podcast. My name is Clayton Castle, and as always, I am joined by the director of content of TristateFootball.com. That is Greg Shoemaker. Greg, how are we doing this week? I'm pretty good, man. The content schedule is lightening up uh, at this time of year, but it's really good content, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. We were talking right before we came on and said this should be a short episode, but then we, whenever we say that, it ends up being one of the longer ones. So, But with less teams, hopefully, uh, hopefully they're uh, le- less uh, content, but still good content, as Greg said. So let's go ahead and get into the takeaways from last week. We had a couple of state title games over in the Hoosier State. Let's start with the team that did bring home the hardware. That is East Central. East Central, they knock off New Prairie to take home the Class 4A state uh, state championship. Greg, what were your thoughts on that one? How about that? I mean, this team just came out and put, just punched uh, New Prairie right in the mouth. A 20 to nothing lead after the first quarter. East Central had r- touchdown runs by Eli Aston of 59 yards, and then Josh Ringer went off for 32 and 24 yard touchdown runs. The Trojans ran for 407 yards, and had, you know, uh, Ringer had four touchdowns, which tied the Class 4A state championship record. Three of those were in the first half. He ended up with 24 carries for 171 yards, and what a great job by East Central. You know, there were two losses. Uh, one was to Moeller, and the other one was to Ron Colley in Week 9, who they avenged that loss to. And they came out just firing on all cylinders. And, you know, you can take your breath away from a team in a, in a game like that with a punch or two early on. And, man, East Central, just congratulations to Jake Miners, one of the young coaches, to win a uh, state championship game there in Indiana. Yeah, absolutely. East Central has been a dominant force all season long. Um, and so for them to bring home that title, what what an accomplishment for the Trojans. Um, going on, moving on to Class 3A. Unfortunately, Lawrenceburg did not have the same fate. They fall to Bishop Chatard, 34-14. to Lawrenceburg, I was at that game. They were just not able to muster up any offense in the well, second let me, half. Let me, let, me, let me throw this back at you. Let me take the lead for the show. You were there. Tell me your thoughts on the place and uh, the whole atmosphere of the game, uh, Clayton. You were, you know, I mean, gosh, they were up 14 to 10 at halftime, I think, right? Yep, they were up 14 to 10 at halftime. They they came out firing. They scored a touchdown. I think it was a 31-yard rushing touchdown by Alex Witte. Uh, their first drive, I mean, they came out firing. They built up some good momentum in the first half. Um, there, <laughs> there was quite a funny sequence there at the end of the first half. Uh, there was a, a, a pick, uh, sorry, a fumble, and then there was an interception, and it was just a whole mess within the last minute. Um, and then coming out of the second half locker room, Bishop Shatar just, they just laid it on, on Lawrenceburg. They ended up scoring 24 un- unanswered points. Um, Lawrenceburg turned the ball over three times. It was not a good outing, uh, for the Tigers there in the second half, but you know, they, they should be commended for, for making it to the state title. I think it was only the sixth time in, in school history. Uh, second time under coach Ryan Kaniga. Um, last time it was 2016 before that it was 1985. So Lawrenceburg, they're on a stretch run right now under Ryan Kaniga where they, um, they look strong, tough senior class to lose this year, but I would not be surprised if we saw them back in the state title game next year or the next couple of years. 
Yeah, I wouldn't either. I mean, this is this team's got a lot of talent coming back. And, you know, it, it's funny, Kyle Needenripe, the fine high school writer over there in Indiana, uh, where I think he works for the Indianapolis Star, he sent out a tweet that said that Bishop Chittard, this is their 16th state championship in 17 tries, and this is only the second time they went into halftime uh, trailing. I mean, think about that. You know, I know it's no small victory for Lawrenceburg, but when you're playing a juggernaut like that, to, to I mean, it's just like Bishop Tars has little Irish stickers, uh, shamrock stickers on the back of their helmets. But you know that it's just crazy how mm-hmm. how they've been so dominant in state championship games. Absolutely, and you know, um, I talked to some of the coaches after the game off the record. I talked to Ryan Kaniga on the record, um, but I talked to some of the coaches and a couple of the players. Uh, who did not want to go on camera to talk, but it, it hurt. There was a multiple level hurt to to losing the state title game. Obviously, you get so far only to fall short, and especially since they had the lead at halftime. Um, but also, if if you remember correct, if you remember that you know they lost a player in the preseason or early in the season, a, a freshman high school player, um, and they they were playing for him. They had his jersey hanging over. The, the bench on the sideline and so not being able to bring that state title home um and it, so i'm so, i apologize the name is escaping me um 14 year old kid died i think of liver cancer yeah, um i remember before, that i can't remember before, his name either uh before the um, season so th- there was a multi-level hurt to that and a lot of them were upset about not being able to bring it home for him yeah and it's a tough thing you know when you lose that last it's one thing to win the last game uh of your senior year, but when you lose it, knowing that as soon as you take that jersey off, that's the last time you're ever going to have it on. It mm. sucks. <laughs> I've been there before in a regional championship game, and one we were up at halftime in basketball. I mean, you know, so when you're up at halftime and to lose like you do, it's it's really tough to do. And, and uh, I I can't imagine, you know, those kids going through that so close. I mean, you know, 24 minutes away from from bringing something home special. But to to talk a little more about the atmosphere, you know, I have covered state title games in Kentucky. I've covered I covered a state title game when I was a reporter up in Minnesota, and and a lot like Indiana, Minnesota has their um, state title games at U.S. Bank Stadium, an NFL stadium. But the the show that the IHSAA puts on for the Indiana um, state title game is unmatched. I mean, the atmosphere, the fans come out in full force. Lawrenceburg had a great fan base showing. Um, on Saturday afternoon, um, in the stadium, I've, you know, I've again, us bank stadium was one of my favorite stadiums before I went to Lucas oil stadium. That is just a great setting, uh, for a state title game and well done by East central and, and Lawrenceburg and the IHSAA for, for the, um, for the entertainment that they provide on Friday and Saturday. And the, and the, uh, Indianapolis Colts too. They are a big supporter yep. of the IHSAA and, Letting them use that field and everything. That's cool. And it's kind of cool because the Indianapolis Colts actually uh, play tonight on Monday Night Football. So it'll be it'll be weird to watch that game and be like, hey, I was just standing on that field two days ago. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so congratulations to Lawrenceburg and to East Central for, for uh, making it to the state title game. Moving on to Kentucky, we have state titles on the line. We had state title appearances online last week. For three of our local teams, obviously two of them played each other. So unfortunately, one was guaranteed to at least go home. Unfortunately, two of our area programs ended up going home. Uh, Beachwood they uh, shut out Lloyd Memorial forty-eight to nothing, and Newcath they fell to Pikeville fifty 
to 14. So, Greg, what are your thoughts on what happened over in the Bluegrass State uh, over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the bus ride for New Cath was almost unbearable, you know, four hours. And to go down to Pikeville, Pikeville just had more talent and then uh, a deeper squad. It was a tough loss for New Cath. And then again, you know, Beachwood running the table um, to get to this point. Well, I shouldn't say they lost a um, Cubcat, but to, to go as far as they have with the injuries that they've had, you know, and then to see, I mean, gosh, 48 points to, you know, nothing for um, Lloyd. And and then, you know, you look at what they've done. They've you know, scored 48 points or more four times in the last five weeks as Beachwood. They're just running great, but now they got Mayfield and, that's always classic between those two schools. But, you know, when I look at Beachwood, all these kids that have stepped up, you know, a year after Herget's gone, uh, uh, Mitch Berger goes down this year. You've got sophomores like Clay Hayden, who's thrown for 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns and only two interceptions in nine games since he's, he's come off the DL. And before that, you had a freshman, uh, Chase Harney, uh, Cash Harney, who, who was uh, – you know, filling in for him to start the season as a true freshman in his first varsity games, you know. Um, and then Chase Flaherty's come on to to be the short yardage guy for the Tigers with 88 carries and 18 touchdowns. So, I mean, he's the Mitch Berger you know, go-to guy in the red zone now. And then, of course, back again for his fifth year next year will be Xavier Campbell, who's a two uh, – well, he'll be a five-year starter because he took advantage of the COVID year uh, on both the offensive and defensive line. So, if this team loses next week with all of, of what's gone on, it's going to be, it still should be a considered a very successful year for Beachwood. But I tell you what, I mean, this is, they're still in the heart of some good stuff. I mean, I don't, they're, this is a, I'm excited to see what they do because I don't think they should win it. But boy, if they do, man, this, this train just keeps on trucking over there in Fort Mitchell. Absolutely. We will talk a little bit more about uh, Beachwood's state title game. Uh, a little bit later, but they will be playing Friday at four o'clock. Uh, four o'clock at Kroger Field. Uh, obviously, that is in Lexington, Kentucky, University of Kentucky's home stadium. Moving on to Ohio, let's run. There was quite a big purge of our uh, local teams uh, last weekend. A lot of them falling just short of making a state title run. So let's go through some of these real quick. Ironton they knock off. Germantown Valley View 35 to 21 and that is in division the division 5 state semifinals in the division 3 straight state finals Bloom Carroll they knock off uh, Tippecanoe 35 to 12 in division 2 Toledo Central Catholic they man what a close one against the Kings Knights 52 to 49 all the way down to the wire and then Moeller, they fall just short to Springfield, 28-24. to 24. So, Greg, just going through some of these teams that fell just short, what are your takeaways from what happened in, over in Ohio? Man, I'll tell you what. When I looked at that Ironton Valley View score, last I looked at it before I left um, Piqua Alexander Stadium on Friday night, I saw Valley View was up 21-7 to 7. by the time I get home an hour and a half later. It's it's Ironton running off twenty eight straight second po- uh, half point or unanswered points there, and it started in the second quarter. But uh, man, you know, I didn't think Valley View had a chance, but they were there. They were there right with Ironton, and um, but again, the better team won out in that game. Uh, you know, you look at what happened to Tip at the Bloom Carroll game. All of Bloom Carroll's run- yardage was p- posted on the ground. They didn't complete a pass in this game. They didn't try a pass in this game. 426 yards on the ground. Dylan Armantrout 
carried the ball 30 times for 239 yards and three touchdowns. And, you know, you combat that with three Tippecanoe turnovers. It's a lot of game uh, uh, clock control and game management by Bloom Carroll, who had been there before, and uh, they took care of business against Tip now. In Division Four, Wyoming, what a second half. Oh, I mean, it's just crazy game there on the win. And then, you know, well, I guess we should talk about Toledo Central Catholic and the Kings Knights. I was up at Alexander Stadium in Pickwin, just up the road in Wapakoneta. Kings and Toledo Catholic or Central Catholic are playing. And that was a game for the ages. There were four game ties, eight lead changes, and Kings took the lead twice in the fourth quarter before falling. Will Coker has the game of his life. He throws for 568 and five touchdowns, runs for two more. Masari has nine catches for 273 yards and three receiving touchdowns. I mean, you know, the only thing that was left that didn't get finished that night for those guys was uh, polishing off the game and, and coming home with a victory. They played well enough to win, but they just couldn't stop Toledo Central Catholic. In the end, it was the, it was the team with the ball last one, 101 points in a final four game. Just Absolutely. If you are a fan of the game, it had to be worth your $10 ticket. That's for sure. And obviously in Division One, uh, the Muller Crusaders, they fall just short 28-24. Greg, was this kind of a surprise to you? I really thought Muller kind of had that team to go all the way this year. Uh, but falling four in a close one to Springfield, that kind of jumped off the page to me. Yeah, well, let me tell you, uh, senior leadership really took over in this game, and especially in the second half for Springfield. Muller started fresh. Freshman Matthew Panotsky Panat, uh, uh, at, at quarterback, you know. And then last week he started his very first game against Lakota West. And he he only had to throw five passes, right? He went four for five, threw a touchdown. But he threw for 16 or 17 passes in this game, went three for 17 for 27 yards. And that secondary was just too much for him. They didn't go down the middle of the field uh, at all with Tanel Bryant, but Aaron Scott, the junior defensive back at Springfield, just ate up everything that Panatsky was was throwing. Um, he was he was at right. I mean, he was he was on it as in the secondary. Um, Jabbar Tofik played his best game as a Springfield linebacker. Who has all over the field. He's a senior. He's a transfer from Xenia. Been there the last two years. Sort of gets doesn't get the recognitions behind JV and Norman, the other fine running back, but it was all Springfield. I mean, the, the quarterback who transferred from division six, Arcanum, Bryce Shondelmeyer throws four touchdown passes and, and no interceptions, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Anthony Brown catches two of them. He's going to um, Kentucky. And then there's also Sean Thigpen, his, his classmate and senior. He caught two touchdown passes. He's going to Bowling Green. It was just, it was just too much for, Moeller to overcome in the second half. Like I said, it was all about senior leadership in this game. And now Springfield gets a rematch uh, with, with uh, St. Ed's in the finals. But I mean, you know, if they would have just kept running the ball, Marshall had 160 some yards, I think uh, before they just, in the second half, they just didn't, didn't keep going with him. He had 165 yards and three touchdowns before the fourth quarter. And then Alex Weeder had 72 yards. So they were running the ball like they did against West Moeller was, it just didn't come to fruition down the stretch for him. And I think at the end, well, here's another thing. The last three weeks of the season, Clayton, uh, Moeller had 10 plus, or 10 plus penalties in each of those games for 110 plus yards uh, for a third week in a row in the playoffs. You can't do that and win. It's just, it's just not, 
you know, it's just not conducive. And they put themselves in bad situations with some bad penalties in third and convertible situations that move the ball back or, or um, situations where it just it, it took them way out and then the quarterback had to do too much on his shoulders throwing the ball uh, as a freshman. And, it, you know, it, 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 was, it played in Springfield's favor, that's for sure. Good stuff, Greg. Let's move on to previewing the matchups this coming weekend. So we have gone through the winners. Beachwood, they move on to the KHSAA Class 2A state finals. They will play Mayfield, and I believe, if I remember correctly, I don't I don't know if this is on uh, our notes, but I believe this is a rematch from a couple years ago. I feel like Beachwood and um, and Mayfield have seen each other before. Maybe I'm thinking of Newcath and Mayfield. Oh, oh, yeah, they've seen each other quite a few times. In fact, most of uh, Noel Rash's losses, and, and probably all but one or two of them in the playoffs, has been to Mayfield, and it's either been in the Final Four or the state championship game. These two teams are very familiar with each other when they were both in Class 1A. And let's not forget um, – this past year, when the tornado ripped through Mayfield, it was the same, it was the Beachwood kids that went down and helped. And so these two teams are familiar with each other. I mean, you know, the communities backed each other. Great, great. I mean, if you want a small school royalty in Kentucky, doesn't get any better than this. These two teams, you want to see them playing in the finals every year because a, they're the best two programs out there at small school level and have been for well since. 15 years or so since Lloyd Rash, uh, Noel Rash has been there. And um, I just, I think this is special. And, you know, this is going to come down. I, I, this is a coin flip to me. Every year it is. And it's going to be a good way, a good game all, all the way into the final quarter. That's for sure. And again, that game is Friday afternoon, Friday, December 2nd at 4 p.m. That game will be at Kroger Field on the campus of the University of Kentucky. Now, over in Ohio, Wyoming, they move on to the Division Four state championship game. Um, that game is against Glenville, undefeated Glenville, 14-0, a pair of undefeated teams. That game is Saturday, December 3rd at 7.30 p.m. That is at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio. That's right there next to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, Greg, what are you looking for in this one? Okay, so what you need to know about Glenville Academy, in 2013, they were Division Two, and they lost to Loveland, the undefeated Loveland team that year that went on to win that Division Two state title, just blew out uh, Glenville Academy. It was Glenville Academy at the time. I don't know if it still is. Very comparable to um, what Cape was here in the 80s and 90s. Glenville is up to Cleveland. Their head coach is Ted Ginn Sr. Obviously, most of you will know Ted Ginn Jr., the fine wide receiver for Ohio State, and then had a great NFL career. Um, his dad's been there forever and a day. This team, this Glenville Academy team, is so, so comparable to what Taft brings to the table. So I think, you know, Wyoming's not going to be um, uh, in awe of anything they see from Glenville. But um, – this still is a talented team. In fact, Glenville may be a little more talented than Taft at the quarterback and in the backfield positions, uh, a little more experienced, and that may cause some trouble for Wyoming. But this Wyoming team, I mean, just give the ball to uh, C.J. Hester, who got hurt on um, uh, Saturday night but came back in that game 
at Steubenville, scored a touchdown, had an interception. But, you know, D.J. Gray, the junior, steps up, and, and it's just Quade, ha- Quade Howard's playing quarterback and still leads the team with 13 tackles. So everybody's getting involved over there. They had a couple of senior wide receivers that made big catches. In fact, Howard, not only does he have 13 tackles, he throws for 270 yards and a couple of touchdowns. It has a big, big game through the air, which is unlikely. But, but you know, he, I mean, he took advantage of the situation when C.J. was down for a little bit in that ball game. And uh, I, I just like Wyoming to win this. I think, I think everything points in their favor. They've seen a team, like I said, uh, like, like Glenville because the, they played Taft twice. And this is, I look, I honestly look for this to be a two touchdown game win for Wyoming. Good stuff. Congr- um, good luck to the Wyoming Cowboys as they travel up to Canton this weekend. And finally in division one, we have Springfield 13-1 coming off that huge win against Moeller. They will take on a team that has been familiar to some of our GCL schools uh, this season. They will take on St. Edward, 14-1 on the season. St. Edward, obviously, their only losses to uh, Maslin, but they are 2-0 against the GCL South this year. They beat Elder 17-14, and they knocked off Moeller 6-0, both of those in the regular season. So, Greg... What are some of your thoughts and your notes for this one? This is a rematch of last year's state title game between the two schools. And quite honestly, Springfield played pretty good in the first half of this game and then a long run by St. Ed's toward the end of that half and a, and a turnover by Springfield. Just sort of, you know, again, in, in these games, you, you get one little advantage and it changes the whole complexion of, of what's going on in a, in, a, in a big game because emotions are so high on both sides that you can really drain somebody quick. And that's what happened last year to, to Springfield against Eds. And I think this will be a different story on Friday night. I can't wait to get up there and see that ball game. And by the way, Dan Claskins will be down at Beachwood in Kentucky and, and reporting on that on Tri-State Football on Friday. So you'll get a bunch of good stuff uh, midday Friday from that, that Kentucky game and then me on Friday night uh, from this game here, the St. Ed Springfield game on TriStateFootball.com. But again, Springfield Clayton hasn't had a running back run for more than a thousand yards since week seven. And that was JV and Norman and JV and uh, Bebe. He, he had, that's the only game all season they've had with a hundred yard rusher. So uh, Springfield, you know, you can say, go ahead and beat us through the air. They will. I mean, Sean Holmeyer's fantastic at quarterback. I mean, he hits the right guys. You've got Dalen Bradley, you've got Anthony Brown, and you've got Sean Thigpen, and then you've got Deshaun Martin, who Coach Douglas told me that, yeah, Brown's going to Kentucky, but next year Deshaun Martin's going to be a senior here, and he's bigger and stronger and faster than Anthony Brown is, and he's their number four receiver. He's tied down at the end of it. So, you know – Ed, good luck, Ed. Stop, stop the passing game. And, and again, I think they can. And but uh, Ed's is also very much sort of like a GCL South school. They're coached like that. Coach Lombardo uh, coaches like you would play another GCL South school. Much more like a Wyoming, or I'm sorry, like a Saint Xavier or a Elder. Um, this is the kind of team that Ed's brings to the table. Not so much like Moeller does, uh, but more of an old school very methodical head coach and, and Lombardo is going to try to beat Springfield the same way he beat him last year through the on the ground and then uh, and, and let the weather take over up there in Canton on a Friday night, let the coldness, let the hard hitting uh, Eagles defense do everything they possibly can to slow down Springfield's passing attack. So um, might be a little differently coached game. And again, 
since uh, Springfield's not going to be facing a freshman quarterback this week, and it's going and, and it will make a big difference. I guarantee it. Awesome stuff, Greg. And you know what? That is it for our regular season edition or of uh, the TriStateFootball.com podcast. Greg, this has been a blast all season. I'm so happy and thankful that I got to do this podcast with you this year. Um, and man, what a year. What a year it is, Ben. And, and, you know, I hope we get it back next year or we'll do the same next year, I should say. We won't be lo- off the air very long. We'll we'll be looking and delving into some stuff in the offseason. And, you know, Tri-State football, high school never sleeps here. We're, we're going all year long. Our all Tri-State team is the next thing our next podcast we'll probably do that within the next 10 days clayton and um you know our, our award show on president's day in february is always a good time down at the holy grail we'll do all that before the season's over for us and then april we'll start previewing everything up again for the 2023 season got some teams already in the mix but until then we got some state finals to look at and a whole bunch of players to be recognized in the next couple of months at tristatefootball.com that's for sure Absolutely. This has been a fun 2022 season, and and that is it for the TriStateFootball.com podcast for this week. If you like the podcast, please make sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now, over the next day or so, we'll still have some content for you there on TriStateFootball.com from Greg Shoemaker and the rest of the team here at TSF. Um, finally, finally, be sure to join us on the radio on Friday night for the High School Football Tonight show at 6 p.m. That will be on ESPN 1530 and Fox Sports 1360. Um, as always, like and follow TriStateFootball.com on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This has been the TriStateFootball.com podcast with Greg Shoemaker. I'm Clayton Castle. We will talk to you in the offseason.